you're with us online or you're part of the Destiny Table New York, I'd like to say thank you for being here with us this morning. Look forward to service. It's going to be a great morning. I hope you're ready. you guys are ready for today. How many of you guys are enjoying service so far? So I wrestle with statements like that personally because I am enjoying service, right? But I shouldn't just be here to just enjoy it. I need to be participating and being a part. So I always feel weird saying that. Like, can I, I'm just rambling, sorry. But I always feel weird. It's like, you're enjoying it? Yeah, I am. But it's because I'm engaged and a part. I think that's a big piece. So I'm excited to speak to you guys this morning. Pastor Lawrence is out ministering in Roswell, New Mexico this week. Um, so he is traveling and doing ministry there. So I get to speak to you guys this morning here, and I am very excited for it. So I hope you have something to take notes with, uh, not because I'm an amazing speaker, but because I believe God has something that he wants to speak to you today. So I believe we always need to come ready and prepared to hear what God is wanting to speak and say. How many of you guys want God to speak to you? Then we need to be prepared to listen. So we need to be prepared to write that down, take notes. We never ask somebody for directions and then hope we remember it. We write down those directions so we know where we're going along the way, right? So let's jump in. The title of my message today is True Treasure. So I want to talk to you a little about what the true treasure is. How many of you guys realize our world defines treasure a lot of different ways, right? What would you say is one of the treasures of life in the world that we live in today? A big bank account, all right? What else? A big house. What else? What? Nice car, kids, a house, vacations, right? Like we can name a lot, like, man, these things are great treasures, but all of those break down. No matter how nice your house is, it's still got to be cleaned, Right? No matter how great of a car you got, you still got to put gas in it. You still got to keep up with it, right? They're treasures. They're great. There's nothing wrong with having those, but those are not the true treasures that God intended to make your life better. The true treasure that God has given you in this life is actually the only thing that you can take with you past this life. We can't take a car. You might get buried in it, but you ain't going anywhere in it can't take your house. You can't take your bank account. But there's one thing you can take with you. Anybody know what that is? It's relationships. It's the people. If I have a relationship with Derek and we both know Jesus, then I'm going to see him again after I die, right? Because I'm, like, I'm not like grabbing his arm, taking him with me. Thank God. Somebody's not like, hey, we're good friends. I'm going. You're going too. No, it doesn't work that way. Thank the Lord, right? It doesn't work like that, but it does mean I'm going to see him again, right? There's another stage of that. Well, I can take him with me because relationally we're connected and we both know we're going to the same place, right? The true treasure that God's given you is the relationships that he's entrusted to you. And we live in a world with all kinds of fabricated relationships without a lot of real depth. I want to camp on this for just a second. 
I'm not bashing social media. There's nothing wrong with it. I use it all the time. It's a great way to stay connected. It's a great way to meet people. But at the same time, anybody ever meet people on social media? Or not meet them on social media, but meet people and then you feel connected because of social media? Let me give you an example. I was at a community event one time, and I met a guy there. It's real meaningful interaction, like we said hi, and that's it. Uh, and we happened to be at the same table, and he was on his phone. I was on my phone, and so we followed each other on Facebook. Real deep, meaningful connection, right? I forgot about it. Months later, months went by. Like a year later, we're at another community event. Comes and sits down at the table. Man, how was that Thunder game the other night? He just starts talking to me about life, and I'm talking him back. I'm like, who is this guy? Anybody ever been there? You're like, I have no idea who this dude is. And he's like talking about my kids. He's talking about all this. Like there was an illusion of relationship, but there was no depth of relationship. There's a lot of people we're connected to through social media. A lot of people we're connected to in our workplace. A lot of people we're connected to maybe your favorite restaurant that you go to. You see this server every time you sit in their section. And there's an illusion of relationship, but there's no depth of relationship. See, we've got to be really careful because there is a depth of relationship that God's called you to. I understand we can't have depth in every relationship and every person we meet, but who is it that's part of the assignment that God's given you? Who is it that's the relationship that God has entrusted to you to purpose time with when it's inconvenient? You know, I like to ask our students this, and I just want to put it in this perspective for you guys, but when I... And talking with our chapels or anything like this, I like to ask, you know, how many of you guys think you have influence in the room? Hopefully all of you, but let me ask this. How many of you have someone who calls you or leans on you when something's going wrong in their life? That means you have influence because you have influence in that person's life. There's a level of entrance that you have in that person's life to speak into them when things are hard, when things are falling apart, when things are going bad. There's a level of relationship depth that you have entrance to. We need to pay attention to those things because a lot of times we overlook that and we're like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know who my close, you know, who's your close friends? How many of you in here can probably name a handful? Most of us probably aren't going to sit here and name a thousand people, not going to name a hundred people. But if you hop on social media, you got thousands, <laughs> right? Man, we're connected. There's an illusion of connection. And we've got to be really careful that we don't walk through life with the illusion of connection, whether that's personally or spiritually. Because I can know a lot about somebody and never truly be connected to them. Oh, I hate to say it, but I can know a lot about Jesus and not really be connected to him. Oh, yes, Lord. Right? So this is the thing that I want us to get. Can you, uh, that's all right. I'm going to preach in the dark. Right. Oh, no, no, we got light. Jesus came back. No, this is the thing, though, guys. We've got to understand, like, just because I've heard people talk about Jesus doesn't mean I truly know who he is. Just because I've read scripture doesn't mean I've applied it to my life. Just because I have an idea that Jesus loves me and cares about me doesn't mean I've entered into that relationship with him. And we've got to be really careful. I love this. I want you to turn with me to John 10. We're going to look at verse 22 through 25. It says, It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. And he was in the temple, walking through a section known as Solomon's Colonnade. 
The people surrounded him and asked him, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? Are you the Messiah? Tell us plainly. Verse 25, Jesus replied, I've already told you and you didn't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my father's name. I love that. What's he saying? He's like, they come up and they're like, hey, are you really the son of God? He's like, I've told you already. We've had this conversation. I've given you the information, but you didn't take it. So if you want to see the proof, great. The proof is in what I do in the name of my Father. It's by the miracles. It's by the fruit that you see in my life. It's by what you see that I do in the name of my Father. That's the proof. I'd like to ask this question. What is the proof of true relationship in your life? What's the proof of a true relationship with God? I don't mean that to say, like, well, here's my checklist. Can can I be honest for a minute? Like, we've reduced a Christian life to a checklist, and it's a shame. I read my Bible today. I spent five minutes praying. I showed up at church. I talked to some. I, I checked off my checklist. But did you really pursue relationship? Did, let me put it to you like this. When you read your Bible, did you try to get something new out of it? When you read your Bible, did you stop and read it for understanding and hope God would help you discover something that you've never seen before? Or did you sit down and say, I've got to turn the page? Okay. And then John says, and you start read, reading as fast as you can through the pages so that you read your verse for the day. Anybody ever done that? Tell the truth. Tell the truth. I know. I am not, I know I am not the only one in this room who has opened my Bible and been like, okay, I got to do my reading. Start going through as fast as I possibly can because I want to make sure I can say I read today. Can we be honest? And it is okay. I better not live there, but I've been there, <laughs> okay? Like, it's okay for us to say that. And the thing I love about this is Jesus, look, he's like, look, I've already told you. I've given you the information. The proof is in my life. The proof needs to be in the way we live our life. Do you truly have relationship with people? The proof needs to be in the interaction. Do you truly have relationship with God? The proof needs to be in the way you live your life. Let's look at it this way. John eleven thirty five. 35. Your love one for another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. I hate to tell you this. It's something we all know. But if we expect people to believe us, we've got to be able to show proof sometimes. I'm not saying we walk around trying to be a magician doing Jesus magic tricks to tell people about Jesus. What I'm saying is walk around and live like Jesus where we are paying attention and we are listening to the Holy Spirit and we are actively involved in the life of people that God has entrusted to your care. Who is it that God's brought into your life that needs you? Who is it that God's brought into your life that you need? I think a lot of times we make ourselves the hero in the story, and the truth of it is, I don't know about you, but the truth of it in my story, I'm rarely the hero. I'm usually the one that needs help. Anybody else? I mean, when I tell other people, I'm often the hero, but the truth of it is, I'm usually the one that needs help. Right? It's the highlight reel. You can look at anybody's Instagram, and man, life looks amazing. You look at that Christmas card. That's the perfect family. You about beat that kid half to death to get him to smile. You were screaming, cussing. Everybody's like, you're going to smile now. We got it all put together. No, you don't. 
You were 30 seconds from DHS before you got that picture. Y'all laugh because it's true. Everybody in this room has been at that point where it's like, dear Lord. But we want to pretend like it's perfect. It's not. Relationships aren't perfect. They take work. And I'm just telling you, if nobody's ever really offended you, probably don't have a good relationship with them. Let's be honest. Like, oh, we're great friends. We have never fought. I love it. When I talk to young couples, like, we're, we're so in love, we've never had a fight. Like, just wait. We are so in love. That'll wear. You'll still be in love, but real life will kick in. You really know if you love each other after you get in a fight. Can we be real? You're infatuated with each other. You really know if you love each other after you've been in a fight. Some of y'all married couples in the room need to hear that. <laughs> Life's not going to be perfect, but we got to figure out the proof of the relationship is what it's what you invest. It's what you spend time pouring into. And it, I'm just prepping. This isn't even, I mean, even into my depth of my message here. I want to go through a chunk of scripture. I want to go back and kind of spread it apart for you because I think this is a really cool story, and I love this. It's Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 16. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful. So he would beg there for people who were going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter and John looked at him, and Peter said, look at us. The, man, the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting money. But Peter said, I do not have any silver or gold for you, but I will give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And Peter took the lame man by the hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up and stood to his feet, and he began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went to the temple with them. And all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And they realized that it was the lame beggar that they had seen often at the gate beautiful. They were amazed and astonished, and they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Verse 12, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? Why stare at us as though this man had walked by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors who brought glory through his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus who handed over and rejected before Pilate. Despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected the holy righteous one and instead demanding the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses to this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. Now I want to pause. I want to go back and look at a few things here. Did anybody catch? <laughs> There's some really cool stuff in this. First of all, really cool thing. Lame man got healed. I don't know about you, but that's pretty cool, right? But you know what I love about this? 
is it wasn't somebody going around looking to do the spectacular. They were walking to a service that they went to on a regular basis. They were on their way to do what they always did, and they passed the man that they always saw. We get so caught up in looking for God in the spectacular moments of life that we miss God in the middle of what we do every day of the week, in the places that he provides opportunity, in the places that we go every single day. Who is it that you work with that God has put an opportunity in your life to share Jesus with and have a meaningful conversation to actually make a difference with them? Who is the server that every time you go into the restaurant, they talk to you and come up, even if you're not in their section, that God has made a way and given you grace and favor to speak into their life? Who is it that you pass every day and you typically overlook? See, the thing I love about this is they walked in like they always did, and he was begging like he always was. But this time, instead of money, they said, look, I don't have anything to give. Anybody ever felt like that before? Somebody needed something from you, like, I really don't have anything left to give. Can we be honest for a moment? I know this story is talking about money, but sometimes anybody ever reach out like, man, I need this. You're like, I don't have anything to give. Emotionally, I'm spent. Physically, I'm spent. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I don't know that I have the energy to even give you a conversation right now. Anybody ever felt that? Here's the beauty of it. They responded not with what they had, but with who Jesus was in them. Your response to the people around you isn't set and dictated by your own strength, authority, or finances. It is dictated by the Holy Spirit inside of you who wants to work through you to empower you to do what you were never capable of doing in the first place. Jesus healed the man. Not Peter and John. They just were the ones used at the moment. Who is it that God's entrusted you? I don't know what to say to people. Great start the conversation. I don't know how to do that. How are you today? And wait, you ready? How are you today? And you wait. I preached on this before, but I'm going I'm to stop here for a second because it's a pet peeve of mine. How many of you guys do it? We do it. We do it. I'm not even going to say raise your hand how many people did it this morning because we'll feel bad. But you walked in today. It's like, hey, how's it going? I didn't listen. I didn't care. I was just like, hey, how's it going? And we moved on. There was no depth in that relationship, but it was relational. Hey, how's it going? No, really. How are you doing today? I don't have to go anywhere from there except that question. I've been amazed at how many times God will open the door when we simply listen. Or how about this one? Hey, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm good. And something inside you is like, mm, I don't think you are. Anybody ever done that? And it just opens a conversation of depth and honesty that's like, here's everything that's going on. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, mm, wow. It's amazing what God will do when we slow down and listen. They were on their way to do what they did regularly, but this time they stopped and allowed God to move in the midst of it. I love this, though. 
Peter preaches, it begins to tell about what happened right here, and I love it. Verse 12 says, Peter saw his opportunity and began to address the crowd. If we will learn to listen, we will find the opportunities for relationship in every aspect of our life. We've just got to slow down and listen. But we've got to make room and we've got to make space to be available to what God's speaking and what God's doing. We've got to listen. I love that because Peter saw his opportunity, so he began to speak. He didn't make an opportunity. He didn't go gather everybody to him and be like, hey, look how great I am. Look what we did. Look how cool this is. He didn't. He let God move, and he went about his business. That guy came back. And when other people gathered around, he saw his opportunity to not point to them. He saw his opportunity to point to Jesus in the middle of the situation. And I don't know. This is just me. But I love where he did it. Let's jump back to that first verse. Remember John 10? It says he was in the temple walking through a section known as Solomon's Colonnade, and they came up and said, what? Are you truly the Messiah? Tell us plainly. What's Jesus' reply? The proof is in the work I do in my Father's name. Where were they at? Solomon's Colonnade. What would be the proof that he was truly the Son of God? The miracles that were done in his Father's name. Right? Let's jump back to this story. Did anybody catch that part of it? Because they heal the man, and he comes to him, and he gathers all the people who were the same group of people, by the way, that said, are you truly the son of God? He gathered them in Solomon's colonnade. He gathered them in the exact same place that they said, are you truly the son of God? And he said, you'll know by the miracles that happen in my father's name. And they were gathered back in the place. Peter saw his opportunity. And said, what? None of this happened through us. Why are you shocked? Why are you in amazement? This happened through Jesus, through the power of God in him. The very thing that Jesus said would be the proof was the very thing in the very place that they had asked for it before. Stop trying to overthink life. God is big enough to orchestrate things you could never imagine. The very place they said, are you really the son of God? Is the very place it was confirmed to him. There are people you will come in contact with that you don't have to try to orchestrate anything. Just listen and be available. And when you see the opportunity, share Jesus and point to Jesus in the middle of whatever's going on. It's that simple. You may have no clue where they are, what they're walking through. You may have no clue that it's the very place that they've called out and cried out for God to help in their marriage, and you see the opportunity to share what God did in yours, and all of a sudden, God is meeting them in the place that they've been asking him simply because you were available. And you took the opportunity to point to Jesus in the middle of your situation and circumstance. I don't know if I've made this clear, but I want to make sure that I do. When I'm talking about depth of relationship, there's a theme here. And it's not about what you can do for other people. It's being vulnerable in yourself 
to truly listen and truly say what God's done in you. I think we make being Christian so hard because it's like, oh, I don't know what to say to tell people about Jesus. I don't know what to do to help people in this area. Really simple. You can't help them anyway. So you just tell them what Jesus did in you. It's that simple. If you can simply tell them what Jesus did in you, then it opens the doorway for what Jesus could do in them, and it brings depth of relationship because I don't know about you, but how much closer do you feel to somebody that you talk to and you're vulnerable with than someone who comes and tells you how amazing they are? Vulnerability breeds relationship. Not, well, I don't know what to tell them. If you go telling them how bad their life is, it's probably not going to help you a whole lot. Can I just be honest? The reason a lot of people are like, I don't know if I like the church anymore. It's because there's a lot of people telling them, here's everything that's wrong with your life. Instead of saying, here's what was wrong with mine and here's what God did. And he showed up in my life and I'm still a little bit messed up, but I'm better than I was. So you're a lot of messed up and he can help you get halfway there. I'm just kidding. Kind of. <laughs> right? Like we just mean to be vulnerable and honest and open. It begins to open the doorway, but we've got to be able to listen. Where is it that God's given you favor? Where is it the relationships that he's surrounding you with? Who are the people that he's entrusted to you? Well, that's a lot of weight, Pastor Chris. Can I just, can we say the uncomfortable stuff sometimes? There's a lot of weight. You have access to the creator of heaven and earth who wants to transform the lives of every person that you come in contact with. Our inability to be vulnerable is costly. It is. Well, that's uncomfortable, Pastor Chris. I know. Here's the beauty of it. You don't got to fix anybody. You just got to point them to the fixer. But we get so consumed that we've got to be the one to fix it that we don't want to say anything about it because I won't know what to do. And instead, we walk around and we live our lives surrounded by people who need Jesus in a deep way. And we don't even tell them about him because we're too worried about ourselves. It's not about you. Can we be honest for a moment? We didn't fix our own lives. I sure can't fix yours. Jesus had to fix mine, and it's still a work in progress. But here's what he did in mine, so here's what he can do in yours. Who is it that God's entrusted to you? We've got to listen. We've got to be obedient. Those relationships matter. They matter on a level that you couldn't even imagine. You know, I, it's funny. Relationships are so vital in our life. You never know what doors they're going to open. You never know what they're going to exchange or change in your life. You know, I met my wife. And the funniest part of that, one of my best friends, he was actually lived with me at the time. One of my best friends knew my wife and her best friend since they were like toddlers. But I'd never met. And another one of my best friends tried to date a girl that went horribly wrong, horribly wrong. So bad that she wouldn't even meet him again without other people there. So she brought her best friend, and he brought his best friend as me. 
and that was my wife. And that's how we met. But the relationships in our life, my willingness to be like, I know you're an idiot, so I will go with you because you want to help try to get this girl back. My ability to just say, hey, I'll be there for you, actually open the door for me to meet my wife. What opportunities does God have positioned in your life that you're missing out on because there's relationships that he's entrusted you to that you've not invested in? Who is it that needs you on a deep level to simply see them in the room? I think sometimes we think we've got to fix people's problems. I can promise you there are people who simply walk into a room and feel like no one has ever seen them for you to stop and say, how are you today? And wait for an answer is life-changing to them because no one has even seen them in the last month in their perspective. But we've got to be available. We've got to listen. We've got to hear the voice of God and be able to respond. How do we do that? Can we, like, I grew up in the era of, like, we're going to change the world. Now go do it. And we'd walk out and, like, I great what we do now i don't like the here's how you do it or here's what you do without the how how do you do it how do we hear god's voice more clearly we've got to listen we've got to have a conversation it's easy to say listen to god right it's harder to say how do i hear him can i tell you he's going to sound like you most of the time but a lot nicer he's going to sound a lot like you I know sometimes we want him to be a loud, booming voice, but let's be honest, we don't. I wish God would be like, Chris, do it this way. But at the same time, if I came walking through my house and I just heard, Chris, there'd be bullet holes everywhere. I don't know who's talking to me and where it's coming from. I would be scared to death, right? Think about it. You're in your shower like, God, please just speak to me. And all of a sudden, this voice out of nowhere starts talking. No, you really don't want God to talk to you that way. We think we do, but it would scare you to death. He's going to sound like you most of the time. But we've got to learn to hear his voice. We've got to learn to read his word and know what lines up with Scripture and what doesn't. We've got to be invested. I'll tell you one quick story. I remember I was at the mall in Norman. This was years ago. My oldest son was maybe like three. We were playing in the little play place there, and he's going down the slides, and he's running, and he's playing. He's having a great time. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm watching. And he comes down this slide, and I see, parents, you ever see something happen before it happens? You're like, oh, no. So I already, I see it happen. It's coming. I get up, and I'm trying to go. Like, he's coming down this slide. There's these other two kids playing tag. I see it like, oh, no, this is about to be. Yep, here he comes right off the slide and just slams into each other. All these kids just roll across the floor. They all pop up, and my son pops up, and he looks over where I'm sitting and sees an empty chair and just, like, just starts screaming, freaking out. Daddy is gone. I am hurt. All is wrong, right? Here's the problem. When he got hit and rolled, he was looking the wrong way. I was still in my seat, and I was actually moving towards him. But he was looking the wrong way, and he was panicking because he didn't see his father. 
Sometimes life's going to hit you, and if you're not careful, you'll start looking the wrong way. You'll start to panic because you don't see the Father in the middle of it. That doesn't mean the Father's not there. It doesn't mean he's not coming your way, but it does mean that we need to listen for his voice in the middle of the situation. Because what happened is a moment he started to scream, I yelled, Riker, and he immediately stopped. He still didn't know where I was. He's like, here's Riker. He's like. It starts looking around, and it turns around, and there I am. And he comes running to me and hugs me, and all's well. Guys, the only reason that helped was because he knew his father's voice. In the middle of him being scared and frustrated and hurt, the moment he heard his father's voice, it calmed him because he knew the voice of his father. And that sounds great. Until we get to the point where it's like, but do we really know the voice of the Father in our life? Because a lot of the times we're frustrated, scared, and feel like we're out of control is because we're not listening to the voice of the Father who's trying to speak in that moment. Because it's vital that we learn to hear God's voice. It's vital that we sit with our Bible and we learn to hear from the author why I push so hard. Take notes when people preach. Not because anybody speaking is going to bring this amazing revelation, but it's because God may speak something to you in that moment that's life-changing. It may put something together that you've never seen. Be prepared to listen to that. Be prepared to get in your Bible and read because it matters. In fact, we believe in this so much, not a sales pitch, but I want to fit this. I want to make sure that we know this. There's journaling Bibles out front. I'm not saying that like, hey, come buy a Bible from us. I'm saying that to say we believe so much in what we're telling you that you need to be in the Word of God and you need to dig in that we're buying them in bulk and selling them to you discounted at that so that you can get them cheaper than you would go to the store to buy it because we want to provide that as a source for you so that when we say read your Bible, you can go get a Bible and actually do that. We want to provide something to help you get where God's called you to go. We've got to learn to hear the voice of God in our life. We've got to learn to hear the voice of God in the relationships that he's entrusted to you. We spend too much of our life, as the band comes back up, we spend too much of our life surrounded by people walking through life that need to hear about the grace and love of Jesus. And we are so consumed with getting where we're going that we never stopped to help the man that we see every day. Last comparison that I want to make. We look back at this story. There's really a couple options because if we don't learn to be aware of what God wants to do in a situation, sometimes we'll try to fix it in our own. Anybody ever been there before? How many of you realize if Peter and John would have walked by and saw a man begging and just said, oh, here's a couple bucks? and went on about their business, he would still be begging the next day. Because they met his need out of their natural ability, he would still be in the same place that he was when he started. They feel good about it. They help somebody. But they never truly help somebody. Sometimes God gives you the means to meet a need. Sometimes he simply needs to to be available so that he can meet a need. We've got to learn to listen to the two. We've got to be able to distinguish between is this what God wants me to step in and do or does God just want to 
me to be a part of the process. Last story. I built this little entertainment center for my wife for Mother's Day a few years back, and I let my boys help. Most of the dads in the room already know that wasn't much help, right? I had to show them how to hold the drill, what to do, and like, nope, let's re-put that screw in this direction. Nope, it's not supposed to stick out of the side of the wood like that. You got to go this way, right? And you guys realize, I could have done it better myself, but I wouldn't have included my kids if I would have done it myself. And as a father, I would have not had the experience with my kids if I did it myself. See, here's the beauty of it. God wants to include you in the process. Well, why do I need to listen? Why do I need to be obedient? Because he wants you to be a part. He wants to make memories with his kids, and you're all his kids. What memories is it that God wants to make with you today, this week, that opens relationships and begins to transform the life of someone around you because he wanted to include you in the process? Could he just reach down and fix all their problems with a snap of a finger? Yeah, he could. He ain't going to do it that way. Because he wants to deepen the relationships in the process. I want to take a moment. And on your note cards, there should be some blanks on the back. And as the band plays, I want you to just reflect for a moment. Who is it that God puts on your heart? Who is a person this week that God's brought into your life that you can show the love of Jesus to? Somebody who God's given you grace or favor to speak into their life that you can show the love of Jesus to this week. Maybe even invite them to church. Something you need to pray for them about. What is it that God's speaking to you? But we're not going to just say, pray about it and walk away. We're going to take a moment. And I want to ask you, pray about it. And write it down. So that you know who God's put on your heart. Who is he speaking to you about? And your action point for the week is reach out to that person. Show the love of Jesus to him. Find the opportunity. Pay attention. Where is it that God's opening a door? So let's take just a moment. I want you to really think about, pray about, who is it that God's put on your heart this morning?